we pray. Lord Jesus, you said you would not leave us alone and that you are with us. You said it and we believe you. Lord Jesus, you said because you live, we too also will live. You are our rock. You are our redeemer, our hope, and our salvation. We pray this in your name. Amen. Sometimes people wish they knew the future so they could prepare for it. Know the right places to go, the right things to say, the good burritos to eat, and the ones not to. I'm talking about you, Del Taco Breakfast Burrito of 2016. Sometimes people wish they knew the future so that they could make their future really good and economically sound. But because of Back to the Future 2 and Biff Tannen, we know that's not a good idea. That dude destroyed Hill Valley and turned it into a casino. And if you haven't learned that lesson, you're in luck, because this is a great time to be alive, because it is currently streaming on Netflix. Sometimes people wish they knew the future so they can be sure of how everything's going to end up. Like if an angel came down and showed them a picture of their future self and where they're at, then they'd know, you know what, maybe this is going to be okay. And sometimes, maybe lately, people wish they knew the future so they do when this was all going to end and what are the right choices to make. And sometimes it's frustrating when God, who knows the future, but doesn't tell us exactly when and what's going to happen. But the Lord does tell us how to prepare for the future. He tells us that this future of ours is working towards good. He tells us how it's going to end and that through it all, He will be with us. And sitting around with the disciples in the upper room in an unassuming and powerfully deep way, the Lord speaks and the Lord promises. And I'd like to look today and contemplate the first three verses of our gospel text together. Verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus said that his followers show their love for him by listening to him and responding appropriately. Love is more than lovely words. It is commitment and conduct. If you love Christ, we are called to show it by listening and responding appropriately to his commands. A lot has been written and taught on how to love, ways to act, ways to think, ways to speak. And no doubt Jesus knew that in the future we would want to know more about what this means. And I find it very interesting that in our text today, Jesus says, if you love me, keep me, keep my commands, comes right before our next two verses. And then again, at the end of our gospel text today, each time he says this, it comes in the midst of relationship. I think the Apostle Paul understood this when he wrote Romans 12 and described how to prepare for the future in a way that loves. He said, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Don't be lazy and work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Rejoice in the confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. If the best way to prepare for the future is to keep the Lord's commands, then we must pursue a future of loving and being in relationship with people. People who are lost, people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who have different opinions, people who are afraid, people who are bold, people. And if we stay in Romans for just another moment, and we think about how God is working towards good in our future, is it not important to remember that in the future of good, He is not just working towards good for us, but that He is using us to work good for others too. And when we see that verse in that light, of knowing that He is using us to be good for others, that brings a whole new level of commitment and participation and relationship to it, does it not? So if I may be so bold, I'd ask you to spend some time meditating this week on how you can best love the people that God has placed in your life right now. Maybe it's an apology Maybe it's taking out the trash before being asked. Maybe it's a phone call, a prayer. Because even at home, we are in this life together. We are one people, one people of God in relationship with one another, loving each other. The text continues and says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Remember, in just a little while, Jesus is going to the Father. The disciples will no longer have the physical presence of Jesus. And so he promises not to leave them alone, but is sending them the spirit. He knows that the future is going to have moments of pain and suffering. We'll have times of not knowing. We'll have times of trial. That it will be a time of change, new adventures. That there will also be joy and excitement. And so he says, be confident of this in your future. You will not be left to your own fate. You will never have to wonder who will help you, who will carry you, who will hold you, who will pull you through. This is the promise he gives to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the giver of life, meaning the one who brings us to faith in Jesus. Broken sinners can't save themselves, but our Jesus has won for us what we could never achieve. He takes the initiative in relationship towards us. Holy Spirit who spoke through the prophets and the apostles, whose words are truth and not even his words, but are the very words of God himself found and given to us in Scripture. You realize that the Lord calls us friends because we are not left guessing or wondering what to do, where to turn. For He has told us. The Holy Spirit who enables us to grow in faith gives us gifts to love and to serve. Growth and presence not just when we're good and not just when it's convenient, but always. 
the Holy Spirit who intercedes and prays for us when we don't even know what to say. The text calls the Holy Spirit the advocate, one who is both comforter and counselor, giving us what we need and guiding us in where to go. Spiritual formation is what the Spirit does. It forms the resurrection life of Christ Jesus in us. So he tells the disciples that what they need to do is to accept the leaving and the loss of the physically reassuring touch and companionship of Jesus and just be there come Pentecost to accept what he is sending them and what he has promised to give us in our baptism. The Holy Spirit. The promise of salvation, of hope, and a future that will not be based on sight and not knowing exactly what is going to happen, but a future of faith, of trusting in Him, a future of love that is rooted and connected to Him and to one another. He says, the world cannot accept this spirit because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you, with you and in you. Friends, we spend a lifetime building up walls, putting on armor, wearing a mask, making sure that we never let anyone in for fear of getting hurt, fear of not fitting in, fear of what it would mean to actually be known, what it might mean to know that we don't have it all together. But God sees everything about us, past, present, and future. And chooses, chooses to be with us, chooses to be in us, penetrates our defenses, undoes our shame and guilt, and gives us resurrection. Newness, purpose, that's the promise. That he isn't hovering around on the outside, no touch and go here. This is lives in us, it's personal, it's relational. You are not some speck. You are not overlooked. And you are certainly not alone. Are you afraid? He is in you. He is with you. He takes your hand. And he walks with you. Are you angry and frustrated? He is in you. He is with you. And he takes your hand and walks with you. Are you at the end of your rope? He is in you. He is with you. He takes your hand and walks with you. Mantra for the week, right? You are in me. You are with me. You are in me. You are with me. You are in me. You are with me. See what that does for your soul. Because we know... We know that what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, those questions, those are important questions. And they're real questions. Because it is scary. And lives and welfare are at stake. But don't look at this and just go, yeah, I get it, he's in me. But now I got a deal in the real world and everything is up to me. He is in you so you can deal. And more than that, since he is in you, 
This future of yours is with him. And he is working right now for our good to strengthen us and to bring us closer to him. We may not get to know how that looks, but we are confident that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Lastly, in regard to the future, you know, sometimes I like to look at the past. And I would never try to say that a certain time is worse or better, but there is always something we can learn. For the early church, when conflicts raged between good and evil all over the Roman Empire, and there were massive engines of persecution and scorn raging against them, Christians didn't have weapons. They didn't really have votes. They had very little money and certainly no prestige. But they didn't have mental breakdowns. They didn't quit and they didn't run. If you're wondering why, it's because they prayed, they trusted, and they loved. And I'm confident that when they look back at this time, they will see that the people of God, the people of St. John's, the people of peace, the people of the entire Pacific Southwest District, in this time did the same things that the people before them did and God willing will continue to do. No matter the current circumstances, they prayed, they trusted, and they loved.